0: Hello, okay, here we go. So yep, let me just get all, this. Set. all right, so okay. Okay, welcome everyone to Tokyo Jazz Joints, episode fifty. We're still up north. Uh, it's, happily, it's not as cold as it can get up there. Uh, and we've left Morioka. And we're heading to Al Mori. But before we do that, James, how are things this week? Things are
1: absolutely stupendous, Philip. All good news from this Stupendous. End, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm living my best life here in the uh, wild and gritty streets of North Yokohama, as you can hear my dog barking in the background. So... Actually, I'm stuck at home working as usual. Um, So, no, things are rather uh, hot, sweaty, grimy, and rainy. Do you remember the rainy season here? I think we've talked about it many times on the podcast (laughs) in the years. You miss it, don't you? It doesn't rain in Ireland, does it? I've heard it's quite dry there. Hot, sweaty, hot, sweaty, uh,
0: grimy. Lovely, lovely description. Um, It's actually, I, in fact, I mean not to shock the listeners i I just put a t-shirt on for decency but actually it's so warm here at the moment that I just didn't even have a t-shirt on that's that's a and it's seven in the morning it's seven am again once again so we're doing an early morning recording which is why I have that very um Sexy sort of croak in my throat but uh yeah it's uh it's actually beautiful here it's it's rained, but it's a bit like funny enough, the weather here reminds me of the rainy season at the moment because it's been so nice, and can you believe it it's been quite humid, and uh then every so often it just there's like a downpour, and then it's really humid again, and uh I realize that the reasons for this may be because the planet is dying, but <laughs> um you know. It's quite strange to have hot weather here and uh, it, it is genuinely quite reminiscent sometimes of Japan just in terms of how sort of humid and sticky it is. You know, Obviously not it, to the same degree, it's, but... You know. uh,
1: it's funny, Philip, because we we joke um, and yet I've been told by more than a few people um, that weather banter to open the show is is always a little bit funny Um up to a point because it gives a sense of time and place and, you know, a lot of people I know listening to the show have never been to either Japan uh, nor to Northern Ireland. Um, so, you know, any little things that we talk about, you know, to give it our, our local sort of flavor, are uh, I think are well appreciated. But, um, but I think you mean, may have jinxed it. Now, though, you may have jinxed it. <laughs> Let's see if we get. Well, that's, keep the, keep the, the mailbox. Death. Keep the mailbox open and see if we get a lot of complaints. Um, it's that's at Mark Philip on banter. Twitter, please, for all your comments. <laughs>
0: So, listen, once you've started, uh, once you start clattering bits and pieces there on your desk, I I can always hear this stuff. I don't know if you can, you maybe can't hear it, and hopefully the listeners can't, but there it is again. What is it? What is that? No,
1: there's nothing. It's like a fistling. No, 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 there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. Maybe it's WhatsApp. Yeah, it could be. It could
0: be WhatsApp, WhatsApp, yeah, our future sponsor. So um, we've been to Akita. Well, I've been to Akita, and obviously some of the places you've been to, some that you haven't. um, uh, We came across again to Morioka, and the last sort of outpost, really, before you cross over into Hokkaido which I think used to be a lot more difficult than it is now, because you can go right across, I think, with the Shinkansen. But um, I wasn't going that far this time. So we're headed for Almori and there's two particular places that we are uh, gunning for in Aomori. Uh, one, I think, of which, in fact, both of them you've been to, right? So um, where should we start? Should we start with the one that I arrived at first, which was Blue Note?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Start with Blue Note. And, uh, you know, going back to check my notes. Well, first of all, as we've mentioned ad nauseum, uh, Blue Note is a legendary name in Japan, uh, not just because of the label. Um, Obviously, that's the main reason. But uh the Blue Note Club when they first came to Japan had opened you know a bunch of different locations. I think they were in Tokyo, Osaka and Nagoya. they were putting on the Blue Note Festival down by Mount Fuji um, that kind of died out after a while. but what we realized Philip, and I think that I told you about this when we first started going around together because you know we were looking at some of the names of places and we were noticing how there were a lot of uh, you know monks and miles there's even a couple minguses you know the Japanese jazz bar owners love to name them after you know their favorite musicians. So you will see those you know similarly named joints around the country. But by far, uh, the, the most jazz keys and jazz bars uh, that we found were named Blue Note. I mean, there's a Blue Note all the way, we're talking about Amory, all the way down to the south in Kyushu. So I've, I've totaled seven um, that currently open uh, plus a few that have closed over the years but but this particular blue note I think might be one of the oldest what was your impression when you walked in because when I walked in it was at the end of, of a long day it was already a bit cold because I was up there in the fall uh, and as we mentioned Almarie is 725 kilometers north of Tokyo so you know even in November it's pretty chilly and the sun goes down real quick so I remember walking into this, this square kind of like warmly lit uh warm, you know, sort of uh, gas heater, you know, that kind of like country gas stove that they put in the corner, you know, yeah, know yeah, the yeah. scene. Um, and, and an old couple behind the counter who immediately just turned and smiled at me. So I just, it was just that really like fantastic, cozy feeling where, you know, Oh, okay. I don't have to struggle with my spiel about going around to do all the jazz stuff and explaining why I'm up here in the middle of nowhere. Um, they were pretty, pretty cool right from the beginning.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, just, on the name, I suppose the Blue Note thing, you know, particularly tallies, doesn't it, with especially with the record label, you know, because I suppose that was the heyday of the Jazz Kisa and, you know, when Blue Note was was in its heyday as well. So you can see how the Maybe not the most original naming, but it is, a. as we said, so many of these places are tributes and kind of homages to to either musicians or labels or types of music and stuff like that. But, yeah, when I went in... They also
1: opened, sorry, just to interrupt, they also opened um, before there was any consideration or awareness of copyright uh, concerns. And so when... when Good point, yeah. When the Blue Corporation first came into Japan... And started to you know hear about some of these places and, so, and Philip, you remember some of them are just using the Blue Note logo like on their sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean like they're not yeah, even yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not even hesitating. Um, but they were you know for for various boring Japanese patent law reasons, uh, they were able to do that and and not sort of like you know because they sort of were grandfathered in. Uh, now you couldn't do that today, but apparently from what I understood, the old places were able to keep it, and that was it was kind of yeah I, I couldn't imagine that being in any other country. I think they would have been shut down or to change names but but definitely not here well yeah
0: you say that but actually it's funny i always think of that you know the a slightly off topic but there is that cultural consideration of copyright and, and sometimes it's different i think you know like uh famously even a few years ago that the tokyo olympics had taken a logo that was existing for the original tokyo Olo- olympics logo and then obviously people find the original online, and they had to reuse it. You know, Um, I had a similar experience. I remember telling you about like a t-shirt. Someone had taken a photo uh, of a couple of friends of mine dancing and just, uh, and this was a large, this was a large clothing company in Japan (laughs) and they'd just taken this photo off the website and created these t-shirts with no credit uh, and no, no sort of royalties or anything like that. And just were printing, had printed like a couple of thousand, um, uh, pieces of this t-shirt and stuff like that so it's an interesting one but the, the place that you're describing that i walked into was very similar in in some senses because i felt like i was walking into to the tv program cheers except no one no one called my name because <laughs> <laughs> because it was an afternoon it was an afternoon like we we walked straight there with the bag so it was, it was a bit you know sort of awkward because we had a couple of bags with us on albeit not big and actually it was it was genuinely quite full um there was there's i think about four tables that faced the counter and they were there was someone at each of those there was three or four people at the counter and you know for me it's always a slightly conflicting because you think oh this is incredible like this place is alive it's it's and it was very much a local coffee shop you know there was a a, a, ra- a range of ages but there was definitely like we were definitely the youngest there but You know, it's a living, functioning place, and it's still thriving in that sense however the owners are definitely getting older the couple you described the the it was actually only the master's wife that was there Mm. um, and she was lovely but very apologetic so they still have the menu that we've talked about a few times for the music so she was insistent she was like you know she she came back to her three times like have you decided what you want to listen to she's like I don't really know so you know I just you just give me something to put on and I'll put it on and she explained that the master was out doing some errands or whatever so then he did eventually appear um very just slipped in very quietly no fuss didn't really acknowledge us and as we sat on gradually the people kind of drifted off so there was very much a sense people there for their afternoon coffee and then they were heading off home and finally then when they did I got chatting to the owners and actually he said it was open in 1962 he said show a 35 which if I'm doing my Maths, right, is 12 years before I was born. So 62. um, And uh, originally he said it was actually a much bigger place. So the original place that we, the place that we went into was, it was double the size, the original place. And he he talked about having two bartenders and five waitresses. So it was a fairly it was a fairly sizable place, right? Mm. But it's it's really much smaller now. But like you say, very cozy, and you got the 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 sort of soporific gas heater uh, treatment. We got the it's a little bit hot in here to not have the air conditioning on, but it, so it was a little sticky. But it was a beautiful a uh, beautiful place just to sit for, for a couple of hours and, um, you know, yeah, the, enjoy and the couple, space.
1: They were, you know, once I started to chat with them, because I remember the 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 old lady saying to me very apologetically, uh, you know, oh, we're so sorry, but, you know, we're, we're actually closing in like half an hour. Um, you know, since COVID started, we kind of changed the opening hours, but we don't have a website, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, no, no, that's fine. I'll just have one quick drink. And of course they ended up, you know, Letting us stay a little bit later. And, you know, right away I noticed again that as we've documented Philip going farther and farther away from Tokyo up north, and we keep seeing these flyers and posters and photographs of the owners of these joints with a whole array of very famous Japanese and overseas musicians. And yeah. just reinforcing again that. That there was this golden time when you would get people coming to play in Japan and not even playing a gig in Tokyo right away and hitting the train and heading way, way up north to, you know, the extreme yeah. top of the island. You know, she was showing me, um, I don't know if you got a picture of it, but I've I've got a simple one on my phone I can share with our listeners later, but a, a beautiful signed framed picture uh, from Elvin Jones where he says, love and peace um, in 1980. And then right next to it is a picture of, of Hino Teramasa, the great Japanese jazz trumpeter, uh, you know, sort of gathered with the, the local musicians and the owner of the place at some summit, you know, festival that they had put on sometime in the 80s. So, you know, we, we, we mentioned about how far it is and how distant it feels from the rest of Japan. And yet again, these people were not only hosting. Majorly cool jazz gigs, but then hanging out with the musicians over the weekend, yeah. you know, having these drinking parties, it's crazy. And hookups, and it's just like, you know, and they they always talk so matter of fact about it. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, he he really loved it up here and decided to stay for three extra days and go to the onsen, and so I drove him around, and you're just like you're sitting there with your jaw agape like, man, this is that's just not cool. Come on, man, <laughs> you you know, you got to you got to spend the weekend hanging out with Art Blakey and uh, Elvin Jones, and you know, and, and and just talking about it so casually, and then they and then they still do that old Japanese bar kisa owner humble thing of like, oh, you want to take pictures in here, but it's so messy. I'm like, yes, I do want to take pictures. I want to take a lot of pictures, and I want to talk to you for like the rest of the evening, um, because you know, I I think that you know, again, sadly, as we've said many many times, you know, that that kind of tour just doesn't happen anymore. There's not the the local support. I mean, you know, a lot of these gigs were were able to be put on because the the cafe owner acting as a sort of promoter with the local, what they called like Ximin Center here, like a local civic hall, that they they would get money from the city to bring people up. And then the city would sponsor it and go around and sell tickets. So they would get a full house. And you'd have to imagine, I mean, this is way up in the countryside. Not everybody up there is going to be a jazz fan, but they were able to sell it out under the sort of banner of like, oh, come support like the city cultural event because we're putting this on. I mean, those were great days, man. You know, That's just impossible to conceive of in today's environment where they give virtually zero support to, to the arts. Um, but that's what it was like. And so that's why, you know, whether it is our friend at Mokuba in Guma or our guy down in Miyazaki or way up here at the Blue Note in Aomari, um, you know, we see these similar types of photos. And every time it just gets me so excited.
0: Yeah, it's staggering. I mean, it really is. We've we've talked about it so much. And, and I was talking to someone the other day as well, just explaining like that scale of of the country, you know, because having grown up in a city where, you know, you were lucky if bands came because of the political situation. But even then, you know, like sometimes even now, like still, you know, people will put up UK tour dates and uh, UK and Ireland tour dates and, and Belfast not on the on the list, you know, so. It's uh, it, it's amazing to think just how far and wide these people went in a, in an age of, of, you know, lesser communications and, and lesser transport infrastructure and pre-bullet trains and all those kind of things. The one that stood out for me in Blue Note was the uh, Lee Morgan uh, Sidewinder album, the classic Lee Morgan album, because um, it says on it in, well in what the owner described as slightly shaky handwriting, I don't know when I look at it. I mean, I think this man, you know, obviously if you're growing up writing kanji at that age, you'd probably have higher standards of handwriting, but it says, um, Domo Arigato keeps swinging, uh, Lee Morgan. And it says to the blue note coffee shop. And I actually asked him about this record. And he said that, uh, they opened in 62, but in 1968, uh, Lee Morgan was there uh, and he was so drunk that he spotted the record. And when he spotted the record, he said to him, hey, give me that. Give me that. I'm going to sign that for you. And he signed the record. So Lee Morgan was actually in the blue notes. Definitely worse for wear. Uh, Got a biro, got a pen out and he signed that record. And it's been hanging up there since 1968. And I just think, you know, like it's just it's just incredible. Right. I mean, it, it really is. Amazing. Funny enough, I was, though, Philip, I
1: was jealous when you told me that story because I did not see the Lee Morgan one. Uh, I don't know how you in, missed it. Well, in between chatting with the with uh, with the owners, they were actually giving me these magazines to look at that were sort of right. you know, from from the period. So I was I was kind of like wrapped up in that, and and you know when you're flipping through the magazines and you're kind of like. I can read Japanese, but I'm not a fluent reader. And, you know, you, you struggle a little bit here and there. And, and keeping in mind the time constraints. So I, I, I the only thing that, like, when I walked around that I snapped a picture of was the really gigantic, like, gigantic floor-to-ceiling um, uh, record shelf. I mean, they had a lot of records if you turned around the corner to where the bathroom was. Floor-to-ceiling records and CDs. So if you were just sitting in the main spot, you might not see them. But that was what caught my eye. But I had missed the Lee Morgan one, which is just, you know, uh, uh, incredible because I didn't actually know that he... I'm wondering if he, he was in Japan. You'd have to think he was here touring, but 1968, I've never, I've never really heard of anyone who's seen him play here. Maybe he was here on vacation. Well,
0: it could be. I mean, and 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 I uh, probably worth saying. I think the owners are. Uh, I think they go by Okamoto because actually I snapped a, a picture on my phone of of one of the magazine articles that was up, and mm. it uh, it 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 had Okamoto and mentioned the records. Actually, said it was about a thousand records, but he he said Showa thirty five and Showa forty one because I made a note of it. Now, you know the, the guy was definitely getting on. Um. So and you know it may be that. Those dates are are slightly hazy, but I suspect not because, you know, they're probably burned in his memory as being very significant dates. But um, he then told me also that they closed for a while. So I think he may have been the elder son or something like that, but he did uh, close it temporarily, actually, and go uh, and run uh, his family business take care of his, his father's business, and that may be the time when it reduced in size uh, to the to the size that exists now. And then he told me that they reopened in Heisei 10, which was 1998, just the year just the year after I went to Japan. Actually, the year after we both so came the, here. Yeah, yeah. Isn't so they both funny open?
1: Too, because Phil, we've heard that from a few other people um, at these sort of uh, regional type of jazz spots where the owner would say something, oh, yeah, you know, I had to help out the family business, uh, you know, so I wasn't doing it full time, et cetera, et cetera. And then you you kind of remember like, oh, yeah, in, in the countryside, in Japan, people, not everybody, but many people still do live a bit more of a traditional sort of lifestyle. Yeah. And, sure, and yeah. if 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 you've never been to Japan or, or East Asia, I guess you could say generally, if you're the first son and and your family run a business, it's pretty much predetermined that you're gonna be taking it over and you're gonna be taking over yeah. the house and you're gonna get married and bring your wife into the house. And, and and that's the kind of thing that's very, very rare we experience here in the Tokyo area. But but when you go out you know, you still find a lot of people like that. So especially if you give given the thought of like these guys in the 60s and 70s, what their parents must have thought of them with their long hair and crazy jazz music, a bunch of hippies, you know, it's like, no, you're coming back home. You're getting married and you're taking over to family, like whatever shop it is, because um, I've definitely heard that four or five times on our travels. And it's it, it always is a reminder of like, oh, yeah, you know, Japan is is not what you think it always is just in Tokyo or Yokohama
0: definitely yeah the the one the one sort of little curiosity uh, and one of the things i love about these places uh, you know are the little odd curiosities that you find but in the toilet i photographed and i'll put this up with when the podcast goes up but um yeah there's like a, a sort of homemade poster and the, it's it's a picture uh of the twin towers in new york and it seems to be, whether it's cut out from a magazine or not, I don't know, but they've just cut out at the bottom, it says Jazz Kiss a Blue Note, and at the top, they've just got Peace on Earth 2002, which I thought was really interesting, because that just dates it back to, you know, if you think it reopened mm. in 1998, then obviously there was nine eleven in 2001, and they've created this poster and put it up in the toilet with a picture of the Twin Towers and, and the message Peace on Earth, which is just a funny little sort of curiosity, you know, that's still just hanging up there in the toilet. Definitely, know, but
1: it makes it makes sense because I know that for a, a lot of times when I've told, you know, People that I that I'm originally from New York City, and and then we're doing the whole jazz thing, and and many of them have either been to New York, obviously, to go and listen to live jazz, or it's been something on their radar, or they're just familiar with it as being the jazz recording capital and live capital of the world, you know, and so there's always that sort of that sort of like affection for it, and I don't remember that picture, which is pretty surprising. i have certainly. Sure, I went to the bathroom when I was there, but yeah.
0: Almost certainly, almost certainly.
1: <laughs> almost certainly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I, think for me, what's really interesting, I haven't started really processing a lot of the photos that I took on this particular trip that we're, that we're talking about in this um, series of episodes. But I think one thing that will really mark the photos and, and date them in a certain way particularly in the future, is this combination of these really old places. And in this one in particular, the um, automatic temperature checker that's now installed outside the door. And, you know, obviously a lot of the coronavirus uh, messages or signs or warnings and things like that. And I think it's such an interesting, like... You know, contrast between these places that have been there for decades and then this very new or what was a very new and very real threat.
1: You would certainly notice more than me, I I, I think, because because I've been here through the whole pandemic. And to me, yeah. that stuff is just like I don't even I wouldn't even think about it. I think on on one of our previous episodes, we mentioned that because I was saying something about how, oh, it, it had to have been during COVID because of the masks, you know, because it's just like a normal you know, uh, visual sort of thing here for me now, but I can see definitely, and and yeah, I, I, you're completely right, Philip. With the average age of, of ownership and and customer base, um, you can understand that sort of that sort of caution. Um, one thing, did you notice though, with with uh, Blue Note and the surrounding streets of downtown Almory City? And I'm being very generous saying downtown Almory City because it's it's one main drag, um, but you definitely must have noticed the the sort of awning that covers the entire sidewalk the whole length of the cross streets um and so you know just in case we haven't hammered it enough it's not just the cold that you worry about up there in armory it's the snow and um i was looking this up because one of the you know uh, one of the hotels i was staying in they asked me like oh are you you know are you gonna go and see the big uh, the big living snow trees and i was like i don't know what the hell a living snow tree is we'll- <laughs> <laughs> i would love to we'll see that, a- that conversation We'll link a picture up <laughs> to it, but but basically it's uh there's a there's this entire forest a little bit south of Almaty City where there's so much snow and it gets so cold that everything freezes on the branches. And so you walk through this completely magical forest where all the trees look like they're just these like sort of giant living beings. The pictures look totally insane i had never heard of this before philip but i've been in japan a long time so i've got it on my uh, on my to-do list to go up and see this one winter but um it just gives you an idea of of uh, you know again the distance the weather i mean they were saying to me when it snows basically a couple weeks after i would have visited so maybe around the end of november they were like that snow is not melting until early may So every time it snows, it's just piling up and piling up and piling up. And so by the time you get to March, you've just got these massive snow drifts all around the entire city um, so it's that kind of environment again that makes you feel like you're in this weird sort of like parallel sort of Japanese universe it's 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 Japan but it's so unlike anything else that uh, that that I'd experienced at least traveling around usually when you go south and west so you know maybe when you get back uh, for your winter trip uh, we can uh, we can head up I I think there's a meme in the making
0: there though because um, if any if any of our listeners are talented illustrators because I just got this vision of you standing at a hotel reception and someone very very earnestly saying, you must see the living snow trees. And you're like, eh, I've got 20 minutes until blue note opens. Um, can I get there? I'm back in 20 minutes. <laughs> can, I
1: see, I mean, can I take a picture from the train? <laughs> I'm going off to another jazz bar. In, uh, in a different yeah. City. But Yeah. Yeah. It sounds great. Thanks. I'll buy a postcard. Well, here it is. Um, speaking of, of, of trains, trains. Though, Philip, you went to, I believe you did follow up uh, the blue note that night in uh, downtown Almarie. Yes.
0: Well, yeah, but actually talking of trains before that, um what I, what my plan had been was to nip down to to a place called Suga which is about 45 50 minutes by train now this is where the sort of culture shock having lived there even though I lived there for 19 years the culture shock kicked in slightly because I think there's living in Tokyo and there's living in Japan. And I think often we just conflate the two. But actually, you realize when you come out of Tokyo and the further afield you go, you realize that it's not the same place. For many reasons, not least, <laughs> you cannot just jump on and off trains in the same way. So there were two places, actually. One was called Suga and the other one was called Union. And both of them were in a place called Hirosaki, which was about 45, 50 minutes um South of Aomori. And when you look again, what we've, we, we've told this many times, when you look at it on a map, you think, well, I'll nip down there. I'll go to those two places. I'll nip back up. But there's no nipping because it's a very <laughs> slow train. It's a local train. It, it stops at every stop. And even when you get to Hirosaki, then it was going to be like another 20 minute walk or that you got to take a taxi and then the other place was further away. So again, like we said, like everything's just a bit more spaced out than Tokyo and it's not serviced in the same way. So actually what we did stupidly was got on the train and then halfway down, I was like, yeah, this is, this is not going to work. And, you know, obviously with these further afield trips, we plan them quite carefully in terms of not missing places, making sure we have Mm. enough time. But we just, I just called it halfway down. And so Tom and I got off the train three stops down. And then, of course, had to wait like another 30 minutes for the damn <laughs> train to come back the other way. So I was by that disappointed, Philip,
1: but, but, but we, you know, we'll, we'll have to make sure that we get up there because um, I think I'd mentioned I'd went. To both Suga and Union on my trip because obviously it was a little easier for me with, with timing uh, being able to live here and um, and they, and Hirosaki was the first the first, uh, the first uh, stop on my trip because uh, just a very quick description of the city Hirosaki was the, the capital of the Tsugaru region of northern Japan which is now Aomori Prefecture and so it was it's got a very uh, old and important castle um, it's got a little sort of old samurai town with, the, with where the houses are sort of preserved um, so the castle castle area is really famous for the cherry blossoms as well, and, and the unbelievable view of Mount Iwaki in the background, which is still an active volcano. So it's it's absolutely epic, epic sort of like, uh, you know, view um, from the park over the castle and the mountain. So I, I was able to spend the morning walking around there. But but when you get back to Hirosaki City, it's a whole different ballgame. I think we mentioned on, a, on our previous uh, episode, you, uh, you asked the audience and myself if I was familiar with the term, uh, it's grim up north. Uh, Well, (laughs) Hirosaki Town is what what you will find in the dictionary with that phrase because, Philip, I'm not joking. I I walked around all afternoon and there was nobody on the streets. Like, there, there was just nobody. Half the places were just shuttered up. I mean, it was it was unbelievably economically down. There was one sort of active street with a shopping center and maybe a new couple, you know, a couple of new wine type places and whatever craft beer. But but so much of the old downtown area was just barren. And and I, I was wandering around killing time so I could get to Suga, and um, it just it just sort of uh, honestly it was it was really depressing because I was thinking like if if this is what it feels like in November, how how unbelievably grim would it be in January and February? But uh, Suga the bar all made up for it, absolute gem. Um, an amazing guy, yet another guy who did a lot of promoting. He was showing me pictures of him with the Art Ensemble of Chicago and all these amazing. events that came up. And so, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I've got some pictures up on my own Instagram from then a couple of years ago. People want to go and look for it. But but maybe we'll save that for, because I, I it's on my list for you and I to visit together as an absolute must-see. Um, you know, Mr. Suga himself, the bar is named after him. He opened it in 1970. Um, he was really really kind and welcoming he gave me a beautiful present when I left um, a, a sort of a, a really well-preserved flyer from one of the jazz events that he had put on back in the 1970s um, and yeah just just the kind of bar that you, you you find if you found that in one city you would be thrilled and the fact that you can find it in Japan way up in, in one of these regional towns that's dying and know that there's other places like it as well you know just yeah, because yeah. I went to Union too so, so even even um, you know, quietly dying Hirosaki City has got some crazy good jazz. Um to end one one that note though, I did mention to the hotel person again because the long talk about my activities there <laughs> with their tourist tanto uh, while I was waiting for a taxi and and I mentioned yeah Hirosaki was a little bit uh, a little bit down and they were like oh well you know it's it's pretty concentrated in the summer and then a cherry blossom season so if, if you come then you can't even get a hotel so the local economy really relies on on those two to three interests yeah. in spring and then in the summer people escaping the Kanto area because uh up up in Omory it's it's really comfortable and cool so he said yeah that, um, you know that they that's really Really, what they're relying on these days, there's there's no more industry uh, or anything like that. So
0: it doesn't make it doesn't doesn't make it um, that unique, really. Then you know, from from a lot of places, I guess, where they they're you know, there's certain times of the year where it's really booming, and then the rest of the time it's probably quite chilled. I mean, I didn't realize you got a gift as well, but um, it it still won't top my. ice cream Sunday glass dish from the owner of rindo i also i didn't realize you were on instagram i must uh, i must check out your account um yeah, you know
1: what you know what? i host a podcast philip you ever, you ever do you like music no it's do you jazz yeah oh you should mention
0: um. it more um <laughs> anyway so look pia you, as you said pia was a very different very different lane to blue note right i mean the guy told me that It opened in 1981, but again, just echoing your your thoughts about Hirosaki, we walked across a few pretty large streets and again, very, very quiet. Uh, Not a lot of traffic, not a lot of people. Um, And when we came in, um, it was just one guy at the bar. Um, I think he was a French guy, actually, uh, and a fairly large space. Obviously, uh, it has, well, not obviously, but it has this huge Paragon um, system this beautiful paragon uh, sound system or or uh, speaker system that we've talked about before and it was kind of a just again one of those places that's in itself is just beautiful but just contrasts so completely with some of the other ones because much slicker, much more of a jazz bar feel. that had this big red sort of laminate counter that reminded me a little bit of somewhere like Yamatoya in Kyoto or or mm, even um, mm-hmm. York, York in in Kanazawa. And you know the guy was was pretty well turned out. You know, very much a sort of. Uh, towel in the hand always feels like he was always cleaning a glass even though he probably wasn't and uh
1: yeah just a re- much just, much slicker place the, uh, right he he reminded me of a, of a less creepy version of the bartender from the shining <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> of Lloyd. who likes jazz he, we get that kind of slick back hair and he's yeah, yeah exactly he had that kind of like washcloth in his hand kind of cleaning a glass um smiling at me I, I it was interesting philip because i think we maybe caught him on different nights or obviously I think a, so. different mood in a different mood because um, he was very uh, effusive talking to me um, about the sound system very elaborate sound system that he has set up with the paragon speakers and yeah. he was i i you know I, look we've done enough of these places and we've also mentioned enough about how these guys are very justifiably proud of the audio systems in their shops mm. And so he said to me, he said, oh, okay, I'll give you an example. Listen to this. And so he goes and he pulls out a record of this this really cool sounding, like a heavy bass and snap drum with vibes on it. And I was immediately, God, I don't know what this is. This is great. And it's a, a very hard to find out of print ECM album by a guy named Michael Nara from Germany. Um, and he was like, this, this record is really, really hard to find. It's never even been reissued on CD. And listen to how good it sounds on, on my speakers. And I was like, yeah, it's, it sounds incredible. So I, I walked out of there. That was my last spot of the night uh, after doing Hirosaki and Aomari Town. So I, I, I walked out back to the hotel completely on a high, thinking like, wow, this is just great. Exactly as you just said, Philip, it was, it was a perfect sort of mix of like just, just a five-minute walk from Blue Note to Pia. And have the full range of like jazz joint experience from really old, sort of like cluttered, dusty, friendly old couple kissa. To this very sleek bar with the you know one of the few remaining Paragon sound systems and all the glasses and Lloyd the bartender behind in his sort of like string bow tie it was just it was just like the perfect dichotomy you know uh, one after
0: the yeah. other yeah I mean I, I had a very different experience now he was perfectly friendly but it was it was really hard work and actually I started as as sometimes we do by sort of complimenting the place or the in, in this case the Paragon you know and his first response to that was like oh yeah well. I said, oh, it's beautiful, you know, beautiful thing and a gorgeous system. And he was like, well, yeah, but it takes a lot of fixing. <laughs> and I was like, OK. Uh, and it sort of went along those things. Now, again, you know, like as we said, sometimes it's kind of nervousness. Sometimes it's just like he can't be bothered. And that's totally fine as well because, you know, but it was a very quiet night. So you, you almost thought maybe, you know, just a bit of conversation might be nice because, he you know, he, he had a, Opened, I think, a couple hours previously, and I think he's Mm. open until fairly late. He opened the bar, he said, in 1981, and I think you do kind of feel inside, just like with some of the decor and the way it's appointed, you do feel that. It's also really odd looking from the outside because it's inside, it's on the ground floor of one of these kind of fake red brick uh, box sort of apartment buildings that you see in so many places in Japan, but the outside of it is kind of all done in this fake wood and almost looks like a sort of a beer keller, like a, a sort of a slightly German feel to it with this kind of uh, there's a big barrel of, of whiskey and some bottles lying by it and then this kind of almost like a window that looks like a, like on an old ship, this kind of window at the front and just below that when you go inside is the is the Paragon speakers, but yeah, he he played some really interesting stuff as well. He played an album by um someone called Harold Anderson, which I hadn't heard before as well. And I think he was definitely flexing a little bit, like with the choices that he mm. made. Mm. He made, and yeah, I mean, again, it was just it doesn't matter. Like we're not necessarily going in there to to, to make friends or or to be best buds, you know. And and if the owners are are just having a, having a time and not not that interested, that's totally fine. But I asked him to take some photos and I wondered if maybe he was totally fine with it. He didn't seem to care. Uh, And we stayed there for a couple of hours, had a couple of really complicated cocktails that he had on the menu and um, then headed back home. But it was a nice way to finish off that day. And obviously by this stage, you know, it's. Two oh, I've lost track, even. was it two days in? Maybe three, no, second it was a God it was only two days in Cromps. anyway. um, yeah, so it was a it was a really nice way to finish off that trip in Almori. Before we uh, headed back to the hotel, actually, we took a wander past um disc, which was another place that we've had on the list for quite some time. I remember when when I started compiling a list the last time on my phone, it was on there. And sadly, it's now completely gone. I managed to track down the unit. And actually, um, I think you've been to this place, but um, on the same building in the first floor now, there's a girls' bar genie. I'm sure you're probably familiar with it, so I don't need to describe it. But for the listeners, it's it's just a neon, it's kind of a neon, um, very neon, very modern space. And there was a young, very hip-looking woman working in it, no customers at all. So I stuck my head in. Uh, and she said, James? I said, no, no, that's the other one. And then I said, uh, I'm just curious, you know, have you heard of Union? Do you know where the, there was a jazz bar here? And she was like, oh, yeah, that was that was on the second floor. It's completely gone. And I'll post this picture, but you can now see it actually on the window. So beside the shutter, there's the second, third floor is North Studio. First bar is this girl's bar, Genie. And on the second floor, it's just blank now. So I presume... It, all trace of it's gone you know we've been, we've been to one or two places right where you can still see the remnants maybe the signs still up or something like that but this place just seems to have completely been erased from the, yeah, from the environment's think, I th- gone
1: I think the word was that disc was uh disc was a covid casualty um uh, okay, you know, I yeah. mean look as as we mentioned I mean you know the economy up there not the best uh, at the best of times, so obviously a, a devastating uh, uh, pandemic, which would, would kill off tourism and whatnot, could could hurt a lot of businesses. Um, but that that was all I'd heard about it. I, I do know a couple people I could probably ask, but it is interesting because disc I popped my head into, and it, it was a spacious, quite well, like everything up north. You know, there's a lot more space, obviously. Mm. And um I had known from reading about it on some of the various uh you know jazz kiss of dorky blogs that that I follow online, um, that it was a pretty well known place and the guy was really nice. So uh but yeah, definitely sad to have seen that go. You wouldn't have expected it. Y- y- I mean, you know, you would have thought it would be Blue Note that would close first.
0: That was our morning in a nutshell, really. Um mm. uh, the next day, Tom and I headed back uh towards the south we didn't completely head straight back to Tokyo Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about in the next episode we went to a, a new really beautiful place and again just incredibly incredibly unique so we're going to focus on that one specific joint in the next episode Um but uh, and then obviously, James, once I got back to Tokyo, we were reunited uh, and then we headed off down to the Kansai region. So there's so much more content to come uh, and we can't wait to tell you about some of the stories. Before we wrap up this week, I think uh, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the book and specifically we're focusing on the the printing process and, and being in the, I call it a factory. I don't know if, it, if you call it a factory, but certainly being in the printers in Germany and just what an incredible experience that was and obviously to get to that point there's been a lot of work there's been a lot of support from our listeners uh, a lot of financial support for the kickstarter campaign Uh, but there's also someone else I think that we do need to mention and this I think for me was a really fascinating uh, kind of insight into how a book comes about because There is the designer, uh, there is the project manager at the publishers, and obviously then there are the technical people who retouch the photos and do do all that printing. But there's also the editor, and uh, bless this editor that we had, her name is Julie, and uh, she had probably one of the toughest jobs, I would say, because she had to edit our writing, our beautiful essays at the start of the book, which, you know... Can't have been an easy job, right? Uh, what was your experience of that, James? Because uh, you know you were at the you were at the sharper end in in that you didn't know the editor quite as well as I know her.
1: So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, was it a I fractious relationship? It it was uh, no, no. It was if anything, it was an unbelievably rewarding relationship because um, as some of our readers will know, I dabble now and then in a little bit of music writing for various publications around the world. And uh, to date, I would say that the amount of the editing process for a lot of music magazines is this. Um, Oh, you turned it in? Okay, that's great. Yeah, it looks good. We'll publish it. Finished. Um, So I have... I am not joking. Uh, zero experience with someone who has read my work and gone on to give constructive criticism. Um, a lot of that is is not obviously it's not because I'm such a great writer. It's because you know the publications that I've written for just were understaffed and you know too busy. So having someone who is a professional editor uh, able to sit down, look at it, and give advice on things like pace and flow, and maybe this word should go here, and maybe this section should start like this, to to put it into a much more coherent and well-flowing structure was was just amazing. And, And it makes you realize as well that, you know, this is why uh, editors exist and why even the most famous writers out there still rely on them because, you know, you sometimes, and, and Philip, we joke about it. We Look, we're on episode 54 of blathering about our, our jazz joint adventures. We can go on and on and on about it. But when you're sitting down to write a piece with a word length, you need to have a little bit of structure to it and a little bit of understanding of, what well, this is how it should be shaped. And I don't really know how to do that. So, you know, Julie's comments, when they all came back, I was amazed because I was I was getting ready to be like, yeah, well, who is this lady? What does she know about jazz joints? You know what I mean? What are all these <laughs> red marks doing here? I don't it's more like than you think, actually, because
0: she's, she's listened to all, when we first met, she listened to all the podcasts. I mean, imagine the torture. Of-
1: but then I, was, then, then I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is, well, yeah, that's, oh, that makes sense. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably better. Or, yeah, yeah, you're right, maybe this could be rewritten. And so the actual process of, of changing and editing things around was, was really smooth, and uh, it came out to be so much better. So, uh, yeah, we, we completely lucked out on that and also to have a third eye uh, again because you know like you've mentioned Philip especially you as the photographer you're so deep into the project that sometimes you just you just need that fresh eye to look at the work completely be like okay this this is good but this should be here or this one is good but doesn't really flow with it you know so so getting that sort of you know professional expertise was was so helpful to the project uh that uh yeah we we definitely owe her a, a, a whole bunch of thanks
0: yeah, no, it's been really interesting. I mean, I think there's there's so many facets to it, because obviously there's the editing of the pictures, which is literally how they look, right? And then there's the editing in terms of the sequencing, which the designer did a lot of. And then with my kind of collaboration and my uh, opinions, you know, I wanted certain things moved or certain things paired together but the 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 text side of it, because it's not just the essays. And I, I I totally know what you mean. You know, you write something, you think, well, that's more or less done. And when someone else looks at it, you know, there's that skill of like, well, actually this would work better down here. And like, if you move this bit up here, it would flow better and make more sense. So that's always been a kind of, a really interesting, That uh, was really interesting to see. And I think, you know, someone who has the real skill to do that, like Julia, is, is is fab. But also then there's the other side of it, right? Because we have these acknowledgements, we have the uh, kind of inscription at the start, and just even things like checking names. You know, I mean, books have been published with people's names spelt wrong, because you're not focusing on that. You're like, well, of course, my name is right, or whatever. So there's the, there's right, a lot of pressure, know, Philip, some right?
1: People, some people are extremely fussy. Um, I would say almost neurotic, <laughs> about having their names misspelled. And you just, don't want to, you, know, you just don't want that to be a risk, you know? I mean, it's, uh, it's really... It's well, stuck, i tell you what, a, a every, t-
0: <laughs> every time I saw one of those sheets coming out of the, the printers, I was like, that's not spelled right. My name's not spelled right. And you start, you, you start seeing it so... You see it so much, you start to convince yourself like it's not the right word. But, um, but anyway, yeah, so it's been... So there's a lot of work in that. And there's also a lot of pressure, right? Because I think, you know, with that editor job in particular... You know, it go. It went off to – Julie did a proofread of everything and was very thorough. We got another proofreader because, again, from her point of view, it's good to have a different set of eyes on it. But predictably, it came back with basically no mistakes at all. And I think there's a lot of pressure in that sense, right, because once it's printed, once it's gone, once it's locked in, there's no changing it, right? So, And, you know, yeah. when you're looking for things or you've got that kind of eye and you see something – you spot something; it's like you know it can torture you. So um, I think you know. Big shout out to to Julie, our editor. I should probably say just for the for the record, and in case there's any conflict of interest, she is also uh, my partner. So you know, it's it's I'd say it's it's handy. If at the very least, it's it's very handy to have. Uh, an editor <laughs> in your very close circle, shall we say when you 're so starting you're to do it was, projects it was like the this?
1: the partner that came first or the partner or the editor I'm i mean it 's really a
0: chicken and egg. was it the partner yeah. or the editor? Yeah, who knows, but uh, anyway, big shout out to Julian, thanks for all her work on the book as well. It literally could not have been done uh, without her, and when you 're reading the book and you have it finally in your hands, very, very shortly. Um, We hope that you enjoy the essays. James and I wrote an essay each. Uh, We didn't really confer on it. And I think what was really interesting for me was I didn't read yours for a while because she was looking at it and giving you feedback. And when I finally wrote, uh, when I finally read your essay, I thought it was so interesting how many you know, even things like we discussed like love, love, love of the project and we discussed things like mm. friendship and, and there were all these kind of touch points that we had both landed on completely independently and it just brought a beautiful synchronicity to the two essays. So not to talk them up too much like, but I hope that people <laughs> enjoy them uh, as well when they read them and they really frame the context for not just the project, but for like our relationship and how it's kind of developed in terms of like the podcast and all these other things that we're doing. So um, yeah, I just can't wait to uh, to get some reactions for that book when it finally comes out. And as we know, James, the t- by the time this episode goes out, well, it'll certainly hopefully be on its way to Belfast. Uh, and then in a, in a couple of weeks later, it'll be turned around and it'll be winging its way to people in, I
1: think, something like...
0: 29 countries was it something like that so pretty amazing I,
1: I yeah I remember at least 22 so maybe we've increased that yeah yep anyway listen it's been a pleasure as always
0: I can't believe it it's only 7.55 and now I have to start work in five minutes so uh, if my well, boss I'm is actually, listening I'm getting well, I, right to not it
1: to, not, not to dismiss your your lovingly touching comments about our friendship but while you were uh, soliloquizing I was checking to see if those three day weekend JR passes are still available again? to Al-Marie because well this conversation's got me so excited again so now I'm thinking okay I gotta get to Akita and then I gotta get back to Almori, and and you know what Apologies to the very fine people of the Aomari Tourist Bureau for my rather scathingly negative comments. in Hirosaki City. Um, Hirosaki and the Tsugaru region, I mean, one of the other reasons I went up there is, again, Philip would not know and not following me on social media. Um, I wrote an article for Songlines magazine about the Tsugaru shamisen. Shamisen is the Japanese three-stringed instrument that um, dates back from being brought over from China a thousand years ago. And, and that town, Tsugaru north of Hirosaki, has had a, a shamisen you know tradition for hundreds and hundreds of years. So while I was up there and and everything, you know, again, as we mentioned, it's so cold. So all of the, the taverns and izakayas in that part of the country, they're all very spacious and they all have a live stage in them. So it's one of the few parts of Japan, along with Okinawa, where you're guaranteed to hear live music while you're drinking. So uh, yeah, my bad for for busting on the uh, the bad economy and gray streets of, of Aomari. There's a lot of lovely stuff up there, including the jazz. So I think, Philip, I am going to book my uh, tickets to finally hit those Akita places and Almarie one more time uh, before you get yourself back here for your next visit
0: I mean I think you've just created another meme because now, now I've got you sort of like uh, there's a burning bridge and you're down there with like a tiny little cup of water trying to trying to stop the bridge from burning. <laughs> Some nails between your teeth and a hammer in your back pocket trying to, trying to fix these bridges that you've already burned
1: <laughs> and the Aomori well, tourist, they, they, tourist, the, they, tourist the kind, border kind, looking on. The, the kind people of Tohoku deserve more than than, than my uh, my grade school uh, socioeconomic criticisms of their bad economy. And, I'd say and that's aging fair, I think we should should equally promote the beauty that's there. So, uh, yeah. We will talk again soon, my friend, yes? Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe we save that one for Christmas. Who knows? We haven't really done any jazz keys in the snow. So maybe that's the the final frontier. We get those snow tires on. uh, You can rustle about in your bag for most of the journey bringing out different little pills and potions or whatever's in there my um, in
1: the raincoat yes yes exactly
0: um anyway listen yes we will talk soon uh uh great to talk again today uh stay safe uh and we'll talk soon all the best
1: yep get yourself another coffee my friend take it easy Bye-bye.
0: cheers see ya